Welcome to Make It Happen. My name is Tom Dalton. Each episode will have an inspiring guest tell their story of overcoming obstacles, never settling, and making it happen. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and review. So grab a coffee. Hope you enjoy the pod. Let's go. Okay, so we are live. Uh, welcome to Making It Happen. Uh, my name is Tom Dalton. I'm delighted to say we're now into 2022. We're doing our first podcast of the year. We're on episode number 45. And today's guest, you're going to probably most recognize from telly, but we're going to get into his story in depth. Um, Ray Goggins is today's guest. And Ray Goggins, if you don't know of him, if you've been living under a rock for the last while, served as an Irish army for 26 years, including 17 years in the Army Ranger Wing as an operation and leader in a Tier 1 Special Operations Unit. I hope I'm doing his introduction justice here before he goes through me. He is currently the Chief Instructor on RTE's Ultimate Hell Week and the Director of Training and Leadership Company Core Scale, working with various corporate organizations and teams, specializing in leadership and training for multiple organizations in sport, business, security, and social. Chief Instructor of RTE Hell Week. Ray, how are you? I'm great, Tom. Great to be on. How are you? Happy New Year. Very good. Yeah, did, that, did that intro do you okay? Jeez, that's the best one I ever got. That's like, <laughs> Very good. Listen, Ray, I'm at to get dug into your book now over the Christmas. And I suppose if anyone hasn't got a chance to pick it up yet or read it, I'd, I definitely recommend it. I get a lot of value out of it. But if we're just to jump back to, I suppose, childhood and growing up, will you just give people or the listeners a little bit of your aspect of where you grew up and a little bit about your childhood? Yeah, sure. So I, I was um, number eight in a, a good sized family, uh, grew up in a three bed corporation house in the north side of Cork City, a place called Fairhill. So born early 70s, um, you know, very active childhood, always running about doing stuff. Um, my father had been an ex-military, but, uh, you know, he'd retired when I was very young, so I never remember him in the army. So, you know, there was kind of a lot of hinting about the military at home, a lot of paraphernalia, but never conversational any of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, had had a good, good, uh, good kind of upbringing. You know, respect based, like family relationships are all good. Um, no madness going on really. Uh, um, parents are very stable. Kind of, yeah, it was all it was all very kind of good. Like when I talk to other people about the, how they were brought up and stuff, like I find mine to be kind of a bit boring, really. But that's good. That's good. Um, so yeah, learn some good values very early on about you know discipline. Uh, humor uh, about um, commitment and even doing the right thing would you believe uh, for my parents um, so that, that's kind of where it was for me yeah and two parts on that Ray I suppose first growing up with eight how did you manage that and then your brother and father did that lead you to want to get into the army yeah like would you believe not directly um, I think it was in me and I allude to it in the book because like that lineage of my military heritage goes back a couple of generations you know and it was kind of always in me, I guess, you know, and it wasn't directly because of my father or directly because of my brother, really, which was the one person, my older brother, Jim, was the guy I probably saw in the military. You know, I went to his graduation and, you know, I, I'd seen him and it, it had a very, very kind of, um, it was very impactful on me as a nine-year-old when he joined up. Um, so, yeah, probably indirectly, yeah, but uh, I, I think directly it was in my blood, if, if, if you understand that. It, it was just something that was in me, no matter what, like, and, you know, I was going on that road. 
And Ray, were you the one thing now? I've obviously read your book for anyone who hasn't, but your prep for applying for it. Talk to us a little bit about that and what age you were, and just was it a shock to the system and was it a level up to what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, like the, the just the regular army. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I joined up in 1990. So for me, like it was always about the army, even as a teenager, when other people were into kind of like bands and music and you know, trying, I don't know, gone off bush drinking or whatever. I was training and I did martial arts as well, which also brought great discipline to me. I did Kung Fu for years um, and that brought me great discipline. And uh, I kind of was looking towards that and I was always training towards, I joined the FCA, which is the old reserve back in the day, you know, which was great, good crack, but, you know, gives you the little building blocks of the army. So I think I was ready discipline wise and fitness wise uh, to join the army. But when I got in in 90 as an 18 year old, um, what I loved about the army was like, I was incredibly disciplined and some people would, would have found it very harsh. But for me, I just love that lifestyle of like everything is laid out for you and like everything is life becomes so simple and so basic. But in another way, it's not, you know, it, it, it lines everything up for you and you have a very simple setting that's put into you how to deal with a lot of different situations, not just as an individual, but as a group. And like that bond you get as, as young men, because in those days, the women and the men were segregated when they trained. So with me, it was just 40 other guys um, in this platoon uh, of various ages. I think I was the second youngest guy in the platoon, something like that. Um, and it's gas, I'll jump in there now because I recently had my 31-year reunion in November with these all these guys. Um, and we're all old men now. It's, it's mad. But uh, some of the kind of bonds and those relationships bear through those years, you know, so. That's kind of what I took the most, but I was very much ready for it. My fitness wise, my mindset, I was born for it. And it was just another step for me. Um, was I pressurized a little bit, but like, was I under pressure? No, yeah. no. And Ray, did you, I suppose when you're going into a new career or something like that, did you love it straight away? Did it just click or did it take time? Tom, I loved it before I even got there. Like really? I, you know, I just, it was, I was just meant for it. Like I was just meant to be in that realm and like, you know, for me, the first nine years of my career was in the regular army where I served in the infantry. You know, I became an NCO and did all these courses and overseas trips. And like, you know, like special forces is a different thing, which we can talk about in a second. But what I loved about the infantry is that kind of grunt attitude of like, you know, getting it done, like small team. You know, it, it was great experience, like fantastic individual people. And like the army for me in the 90s. Is probably one of the highlights of my career you know people always think it's special forces yeah in a different way but like for me like i served in the fourth infantry battalion when my father served and my brother served and like it was a magical time for me like i loved it i just loved the whole career i loved it and, and ray i suppose one of the reasons ray i'm asking that question is i'm actually looking at what there's two guys in our state or in the army and i suppose i'm just if there's anyone listening or maybe their kids are thinking of maybe joining or going for it is there any advice pre going in or how you know it's for you yeah well like I, I would say to anybody you know the army has changed now it's a different army it's it's developed slightly different you know it's look i'm not getting into the politics of it like it's what you make of it like if you if you want to make it a good career and you want to be happy in it and enjoy it that's what you will do and regardless of what other people do like you know you can go into the army and scratch your arse for 20 years if you want you know what i mean or you can go in and you can be a soldier and do your best and like push yourself and try things I think that's what I did. And I would recommend to any young person, male or female, if you want to go in as an officer or in the ranks or join the Navy or the Air Corps, or whatever, if you, if you have an idea about it, do some research on it, find out exactly what it is and, and 
try it. Like you can leave. It's like any job. You can leave after a couple of years if it's not working out, but I would definitely recommend it, you know. And Ray, the, the great thing, especially I know I'm going to keep referencing your book, but and you just you touched on it there is if you have an appetite, I suppose, to upscale and always learn, it gives you that avenues. It's absolutely. And then like it's what you make it like, you know, like like anything you do, your life is what you make it. Your private life, your work life, your training life. It's what you make it like you can look, you can be as kind of simple as you like. You can be as you know, you can stay in your comfort zone as much as you like if you're happy. But like if you want to push the envelope and if you want a sense of it, if you have a sense of adventure and you want adventure, you can get that in the military. Like, like who gets to go to like Syria or Libya and all these places? And, you know, it, it's not even the, the bullets and bombs part of it. Like seeing those cultures and the world as you, you won't see that when you're doing like on TripAdvisor. You know, you're not going to see that there. So you will see parts of the world that no one sees. And it's it's completely unusual. Yeah. Yeah. And Ray, if we touch on the travel aspect, did you have, I suppose, a different perspective before traveling to these places and where you were going and what you thought they were? Jesus, absolutely. Like even I'll tell you small things like my mom, I, I didn't eat fish or, you know, stuff like that. Like, you know, like spoiled rotten as the youngest boy in, in my house, getting fancy dinners put up to me. Like once you join the army, it's take it or leave it. So you find if you don't eat it, you're not getting anything else. So, you know, that alone, you start eating other stuff. Um yeah, like the travel part of it was amazing because, you know, you 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 travel with these these other group groups of guys, usually young guys, everyone away from their family. And back then there was no like, you know, mobile phones. There was no WhatsApp groups like there was the contact home was like old school writing letters and stuff like that. So you're very much bonded. And like, again, I mentioned earlier, life becomes very simple. And for me, I, I love simplifying everything. And it works for me. Like some people might find it kind of Jesus, like I'm not doing this. This is a bit too much. But for me, it just makes everything very simple. Yeah. And and Ray, you taught you touched earlier on just um the brotherhood, and you say the big aspect from the book, and I think people are in the army, you have to be a great people person. If you're if you're with new people all the time, if you're interacting with different people, different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages, just yeah. talk to us how you have to adapt in certain situations there. Yeah, like I found in all my career, uh, military and as a, um, a kind of uh, a private security operator in the likes of Afghanistan and Middle East. Like you're in these people's country. So that's the difference between us as Irish people and maybe more colonial nations. Like they bring their own hangovers of trying to make everywhere the country they're from. Irish people don't do that. I think we have a fantastic ability to, not all of us, but most of us, like we just, we just click with people because, you know, I, I always tried very hard any country I went. I'd learned a language, for example. I'd always read up into history. Um, I'd make friends with the locals and I'd try and find out about their lives and what they do. Um, so if you get to know people like that, even in the military, like I got attached to French Special Forces, American, British, whatever. Say It's the same thing. Like you kind of, you have to bend yourself to what they're doing. You know what I mean? So if you have that ability to relate to those people and find a positive where you can connect, you know, then work on that. Yeah, there could be other stuff where they're kind of, you know, they might be good people or they could be like, you know, so far up to themselves that they think they're great and ego which is a big thing, especially for forces, let me tell you. But once you find that spark of something you can work with then, then you can build on that. You know, that, that's what I always found. And Ray, was there, just before we go into the Army Ranger um, part of your career, was there ever a point when you're doing this travel, you're like, do you know what, I, I don't want to come home or I'd love to stay here for a bit longer or were you always um, going home? That's an interesting question now, Tom. Jesus, um, I hope my wife doesn't hear this. Um, <laughs> it depends, like I suppose some places... No, I, I think like, especially on the military trips, you probably do, you know, four, six months away, which is long enough, no matter how good something is, you know, like it's always good to 
come back to Ireland and like you appreciate home that bit more, you know, you appreciate the comforts when you've had a bit of hardship, I find. And uh, I always enjoyed that bit. Was there anywhere I wanted to stay longer? Probably not really, I guess, you know, like I'm behind it all. I enjoyed the travel and I spent most of my adulthood in different countries, but I always loved coming back to Ireland. And, and since 20, uh, since COVID, I've been in Ireland now nearly two years. And it's great. Like, you know, I think I've actually become Irish again. It's fantastic. <laughs> Brilliant. And Ray, if we just so if you're going through your late teenage years uh, through the army, when did the army ranger stick out to you or you go, Tom, this is going to be the next step. I really want to level up here. Yeah, I had heard about it when I was in the FCA. You know, guys would tell stories. Everyone had seen the ranger wing somewhere. You'd meet these older guys. Oh, yeah, I was on an exercise once and these lads were beamed in from space or whatever the story would be about, you know, these these guys. Um, so I, I was aware, but not in detail. So my kind of plan was I didn't go into the army thinking, OK, I'm going to be a ranger in this time. Um, I had a kind of a three-step plan joining the army. Uh, was, you know, I wanted to do a parachute jump. I wanted to become an NCO and I wanted to go overseas. They were the first three things. And I kind of said to myself, if I settle well in the army and things go well, let's see, you know. Like, so for me, um, I had seen them on a kind of a, in 2000, no, 1992, I was on a training exercise and they came down to this barracks we were in to do what they call a road show. Like, they're basically like showing all the gear they have. And they're trying to hook fellas in like that, you know what I mean, to get them in. And I was one of the guys they hooked in in 1992. So these guys were completely different. At the time, I was in the infantry, it was very regimental, you know, proper haircuts, clean shaven, polished, you know, basic uniforms. These guys come in with, you know, these fancy camouflage uniforms and all this kind of like high speed gear. And some guys had beards and some guys had longer hair and all this kind of stuff. And it just, you know, aesthetically, I was going, Jesus, as a young soldier, I was going, yeah, this is good. And then some of the stuff they talked about, I thought these guys are going to be all these kind of like, egotistical fellas they weren't they were just chatting away and they all seemed very decent and sound and all and I said yeah Jesus I might have a cut off this so that's kind of a really hit home for me and I decided to go on selection first um within a matter of weeks you know and Ray that process just to give people an aspect of that process that a short or long-term process to jump and go into the army rangers yeah it, it's it's evolved now but in my day uh, the process was the old selection was a four-week period of if you've seen the show that intensity so I sat for four weeks of just like little or no sleep, just, just being dogged, constantly being put under pressure. Um, if you survive that, then you get a week of recuperation and then you go on a seven month, what's called a basic skills. So like a special forces training course. So it, it is as intense as the selection at the start, um, but it, it, it's up and down, it changes. So that was the old system that has evolved since now when guys come in on selection nowadays, it's a year. So they come straight in and it's, over years so the modules have, have changed slightly and um, so for me like on the first one in 92 which i failed miserably by the way um after a couple of weeks because i hadn't prepared for it um i hadn't um i wasn't confident enough or believed in myself enough um at that stage and i hadn't committed to it completely where i saw myself finishing it like i just kind of had the attitude okay I'll, I'll see where i go with this like i i, I was doomed before i even like cross the start line to be to be honest um so that was my first experience of it which was tough um like it was incredibly intense like you know i had been a good soldier i said to you like nine year or sorry at that stage like two years in the military um was was under pressure at times but pressurized at times but never under pressure really always kind of operated at about 75 percent never too much pressure 
But then when I went to the Ranger Wing, like you're at 100% and beyond all the time, which is an incredibly strange feeling. And there's no forgiveness, you know, it's 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 brutal. Um, so I was going, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, like this is full on stuff here now. But um, like physically, yeah, I was able for it. I was, I was quite fit. But like I realized it's not about fitness. It's about your mindset, your belief, and like how you see yourself doing stuff. That's the key value I, I learned on that first experience. Yeah, brilliant. And Ray, just there's two points I'd I'd love to question on that. Um, in those really difficult and high pressure situations, is there anything you use as a tool for your mindset to go, you know, Ray, you'll get another five, 10 minutes here, just push through this pain barrier or whatever it is, or is there something you'd use personally? Yeah, there there is. I didn't develop that then because I wasn't there long enough. But the, when I went back on selection and passed and went through the whole seven months plus of training and went on these deployments i developed my own kind of procedure of pushing through um and a lot of it is blocking things out to be honest there's a very simple process it's called tactical breathing um that we're trained in in special forces for high intensity environments it's a very simple drill and uh, very simple breathing technique where you just uh, breathe in for the count of two and out for the count of four so what it is like it's you know you're oxygenating the body and you're just relaxing the brain. So in those high pressure situations, I would end up doing that maybe a number of times over, over time. And I always just compose myself and remain calm. So I always had a positive mindset about what I'm going to do. And like, even though you're, you know, later in my career, I ended up in some pretty intense situations. But like that simple process I learned at the start of selection and skills works through. Like, and I do it now to this day. Yeah, it's really so the, power, the power of the breath is... Uh, very powerful and i think we don't we, we just don't use it enough we don't and like it's so you know i found look for me i was a combat diver most of my career so cold cold water stuff was a big part of what i did and we did a lot of training along those lines about like composure and just just that simple ability to focus on what's immediately in front of you and not worry about what's going to happen in 10 minutes what's going to happen next week so I still have that ability now in life where, and where things happen to people and they go, oh, how, how can you get all this done? How can you get all that done? Because I don't think about what's going on next week. I think about the next 20 minutes and that's it. And then the next 20 minutes, next 20 minutes and then it works. It's so. brilliant. Yeah, focus what's in front of you. And Ray, just before we move on, just on that um, not passing the Army Ranger, the very powerful thing for me is you, you stood back, you reviewed it. And I think I've had a lot of people on this podcast that are very successful. And sometimes that's what do. It's like a self-audit. Let's go, yeah, yeah. what went wrong? What did I learn? And what's missing and what gaps do we need to do? But just talk to us on that, like, and what that was like for you. Yeah, so immediately, obviously, it's, a, it's an emotional experience because you're giving your all. Like, no one likes putting their hand up and quitting. And for me, like, it was a huge thing. And I actually grieved over it for a number of months after it. Eventually, what I discovered in that timeline is for any disappointment you do in your life or any kind of event or whatever it is, if it doesn't go well, like it's not the end. Like if you, if you haven't reached a successful point where you are, like then for you, it's not the end. So if you understand that, this is just, you're in the middle of it. You need to keep, just keep going. It only becomes the end when you're successful to me, right? And I learned that. But how did I learn it? Like I learned it because eventually after the emotion of it dried up and I was able to take the disappointment out of the lesson if you understand what I mean so how bad I felt about myself and how weak I am and oh you're rubbish and you couldn't do this when I took that out of the equation and just looked at the lessons I learned and I looked at myself like kind of you know logically almost or without emotion I realized then those three things I mentioned 
I hadn't prepared correctly. I hadn't committed correctly and I didn't believe in myself enough. So they were the three things I targeted after that. And it took me a number of years to build those things. So, you know, like committing to stuff, like really committing to stuff and believing in yourself. It, it's hard to get that and build it. You know, I, I had it in spades in other ways, but for special ops, I hadn't. So that's what I targeted. That's what I built for a number of years after that. Brilliant. And Ray, was there anyone you, you, you went to for advice to help you or was it just you'd, you'd well, learned that along the way? Yeah, that's another thing I learned. Like, you know, it's put your hand up. And if, if you don't know how to do something, like bloody ask someone, because I, I heard a great line there recently. Um, if you the fellow who asks a question will look stupid for a minute. The fellow who doesn't ask the question will look stupid for life. And it's a great way to do it. So I, I'm, I'm, I was lucky that way. I was never kind of the kind of guy who'd be afraid to ask for help or, you know. Um, so I got some good advice from some a guy who was an ex-ranger and served in the infantry. He had came, come back to the infantry, a guy called Kevin, a great guy. So he gave me some good tips. Um, and like, again, you know, the first time I went on selection where I failed, I, I just didn't train enough mentally. Like, I didn't get my mindset right. Body's fine. Body will all work. Body is a drone. Body will do whatever you, mind tells it to do. And if you get that, if you understand that, and you work your mind. Your, your mind drives the shit. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I it, It's very interesting, Ray, you say that about asking questions. I, I, I'm dyslexic, and I was the guy in class always throwing my hand up asking. And I'd, I've oftentimes that it was in college or in school, someone come up to me after class and go, geez, glad you asked that. And, you yeah, know, I was thinking that myself, but I was afraid to ask. And I, I, I don't know. I've had a lot of people reach out to me in my personal business side and be like, how did you work with this client? How did you? I asked knocked on a door and asked her who's the best to talk. And sometimes it's so simple just by asking questions. So great point there. Um, Ray, as I mentioned to you just before we jumped on this, there was two real main points I love from the book. And I, I just want you to expand on one at the moment and want to just highlight focus. So you had done all your prep to go for your Army Ranger for the second time mm. and a personal relationship ended. But for me, the biggest thing is you were able to, I don't know if the correct word is park it yeah. and focus on the goal. But will you just expand on that a little bit on that focus and what that takes? Yeah. So, for, okay. So like it was, it was a pretty traumatic uh, experience, to be honest. And it happened within days of me starting selection. So I was almost in my pre-start selection period of rest, like three, four days out where I was just, you know, loading the carbs and blah, blah, blah. And like, so I just to deal with so. At the time as well with the military, I had kind of, I guess I was threatened by my commander that if I didn't pass, he was going to start me out kind of thing, I guess is the right way to say it. So I, I had that bridge burnt and then my own life bridge got burnt too. So I kind of, obviously I was incredibly upset about the whole thing, but I, I found that the range wing thing then, I, I just got my mindset completely squared away and I focused on the end goal for me, which was to attain this Green Beret in whatever six eight months time and like I, I saw that as the end goal that everything else around me then like was you know not unimportant so if I had to concentrate on it at a time like I said the focus of 10-15 minutes on something but I always looked down the road so I call it the reason why like my reason why was kind of born out of that so anything you do that might be you know testing might be tough you have to have a huge reason why you're doing it and you need to get that in your head first so my reason why coming from there was, okay, I had nothing to go back to. So it actually, in a strange way, it actually helped my focus on selection because it meant I didn't have to worry about 
like okay if I was feeling weak I was kind of going oh sure I, I can go home I think sure, look, I'm just going to cut here and go home I didn't have a home anymore really you know I didn't have my career in the military and the infantry was possibly would have been different if I went back so like I had no safety net so my my ability to focus on where I was going then because I had nothing else but there was no backup so it, it was absolutely laser focused me like yeah amazing brilliant and Ray what was that feeling like then when you got the thumbs up the green light the, the when I got in yeah yeah it's like euphoric because like it's you know like obviously doing selection is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life I mentioned it in the book like it's there's no words to describe how tough it is and you know you go below zero so many times and when you go as you know from doing you know like you know Iron Man and bits and pieces like that like when you are in that zone in your mind or in that part of your soul that you don't go into that often like it's a very very strange place you know where you're just pushing your body on your body's a drone you're just pushing 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 you do that a couple of times over a period of days you do that a lot of times over a period of months um there's a lot of emotion involved in it that you're bottling up so when we actually finished and then we got badged as it's called like it's unbelievable I remember, I remember just being like, you know. Was it a relief, Ray? Was it yeah, just, well, it was a relief. It was like the euphoria came later and like it was just kind of a bit surreal, really. We all kind of got badged and we do it in the Hill of Allen, which is in too far to where I live now. And um, it's just a bit kind of disbelief. It's mad. Like, it's just going, Jesus Christ. So what now? But then luckily the Ranger wing look after you. Like, so within a day of getting your badge, you're tasked then into a team and you're launched on something else. So there's no time to give yourself a pat on the back you're gone on to the next task and that's a beautiful part of special forces as well even if things go wrong or whether they go right you always move on quickly that's a beautiful part of it and ray it seems like you've mentioned the brotherhood it seems like if you need someone to talk to there's always someone there is there that maybe might have dealt with what you've gone through or it could be an emotional state or dealing with difficulties that there's always someone there by your side there is like the, the, you know like people's kind of persona of special forces guys are these you know, like individual guys who get everything done themselves and they're so independent. Yeah, there is that, but it's better when you put those kind of guys together in a team. So our, our smallest denomination was always two, two, like a buddy pair. Now, sometimes you might have to do stuff individually. That's fine. But like, And that bond is reinforced and trained. So they do it that you become responsible for that guy, like that buddy. You're responsible for him. So if he messes up, you get it too. Like, you know, if he does well, you get it too. So that, that makes you like, in effect, like a married couple. So you, you obviously share personal stuff. Then. And I mentioned earlier about being away overseas and there's no family, there's no friends, there's no going home at five o'clock for dinner or there's no going soccer training that night. You're in the jungle with these five other guys for five months and that's it. Like, So you, you get very close and you talk about stuff that you never talk about with anybody else because like you have that link into each other's souls. Like it's mental. Brilliant. And there's so much, Ray, I want to cover, but if we can just touch on, you said what now? So what was next, I suppose, for you at that stage? Were you sent abroad? What was next? Yeah, yeah I was pretty lucky. So I kind of came into Christmas, got a break for a week and then formed up for um, a task unit that went to East Timor, a small island at the end of the Indonesian archipelago, north of Australia, where there was insurgency war going on. So we got dropped in there in the jungle for five months. So it was my first... Um, experience of special forces operations having all the training done and having all the brand new combat uniforms and fancy gear uh, having the bear jet at the stage and um yeah so that was very very interesting and what i loved about it 
was like I became part of um, a team all more senior than me and I expected being the, the what we call the six IC or the six in command the junior man that I'd be the guy doing all the donkey work and stuff like that and I was a little bit but um, what I loved about it immediately and which is a huge part of special forces is like you know humility and kind of um, empathy are a huge part of it people wouldn't think that in special forces but you're you're valued and accepted so once you get through the training process immediately like your opinion is canvas so we were get, preparing for our first operation as a six-man team and i was asked my opinion on certain things like ray what would you do here what do you think of this rate look ray you go in and sort this out or you sort that out so what that does then straight away like that empowers you to be part of the team that gives you buy-in straight away like you buy into that belief in that operation so it's not the army's operation anymore it's your operation personally or that that's six men and that gives you that like ownership of it, it becomes a labor of love almost then where like your mission and what you have to do as a six-man team is like the ultimate goal and anything else doesn't matter so that's what you do and ray just on that is it is it hard when you come home and Maybe there's a personal situation or you see someone up the road and they're going, what are they giving out about? What are they whinging about? If you saw what I had to deal with and the obstacles I had to overcome in the last trip I was on, this is minuscule. It, is it hard to come back to? And, yeah, and look, to be to be honest, like, you know, I wasn't always this level in my thought process. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of, um, I won't say aggression, but there's a lot of sharp end part of special forces training, like, which is, yeah, and let's be honest, it can be hard to switch it off, to be honest, it can be. And I always found out like here people like you you'd come back from a part of the world where people have nothing. Like people are just trying to survive. And you come back then and someone is moaning about whatever you, you mentioned there. Like I always kind of I bite my tongue. Did I ever kind of cut the legs off someone? Possibly. Um, but I, I realized then, look, it's all relative to where you live in the world. And like you have to be careful about how you express your opinion to people. You know what I mean? As well. Because like, you know, people think straight away because we're a special force, you're a bit nuts anyway. And you shouting and roaring at him because, you know, like of some hardship you experienced doesn't always work it out either. So you have to be careful. Brilliant. Um, listen, we're flying through this, which is great. And thanks so much. And yeah, no I, I'm getting a lot of value from it. And I know the listeners will. Um, one other question. I, I just I want to just read a quote. I'm probably jumping forward now in the book. Um, I'll just read this out. I left uh, for the blast site. It was another humbling experience with people I would never see again and confirmed to me that if you can manage your own reactions and composure first, then you can work on everything else. Now, Ray, you've mentioned composure a couple of times so far. Just talk to us a little bit about dealing with composure and certain situations throughout your career. Yeah, like, again, I'll, I'll come back to that breathing technique I mentioned earlier. Um, again, tactical breathing, which is that process of getting the mind and arse in gear. So if you have time to stop and prep yourself for something that's going to be particularly intense, for example, standing outside a room of a, you know, of a hostile situation you're about to go in. So we tactically had a hand signal where the team leader would give that signal and everyone would do that breathing technique for five, ten seconds. Then when you're all ready, there's another signal and in you go. What that does for you, just realigns everything. You might have been climbing up the side of a ship. You might have been sprinting. You might have been climbing where your heart rate's right up. There's 100 miles an hour. The last room you were in could have been chaos. But you come out of that room, you're getting ready to go to the next room. So you need to compose and just level off everything again. So I would, I would have done that. You mentioned that blast um, scenario there. That was in Afghanistan in 2019, January 2019. So I spent seven hours in that environment of dealing with 
AOS basically um, and try to keep these 120 people I was responsible for alive. Um, now I didn't keep all of them alive, but most of them. So that, that's, that, that's not too bad. And that's another part of it too, like, you know, that ability to move on and deal with things very quickly. So in that environment for me, yeah, there had been people killed. So I couldn't be, oh, Jesus, I had to move on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And as you can imagine, Tom, an environment like that, things are happening very quickly and you just have to stop, reset, deal with that. Stop, reset, deal with that. So the calm and composure thing for me comes in with that breathing technique. And like, you have to see yourself being successful. Like you can't say, okay, I could get killed here. Right? This could happen here. You have to completely cut that out because if you start thinking those things, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to lose control then. You're going to lose your own ability to control yourself. And if you can do that, if you can control stuff you can control, which is you, like in that type of environment or any sort of pressurized environment that we all deal with every day, people try and jump in and control the other people or jump in and do this. You can't do that. So do that. Get your own level first. Get your head right. Do your breathing. Calm down. Relax. Your, your thought process is better. You're more effective. Your ability to deal with people is better because you're calm. If you're hyped up and you're, you know, everything's 100 miles an hour, like the arse is just going to fall over. If you start panicking, panic gets you killed. That's all panic does. Or gets you making mistakes. That's all it does. Now, it's not easy. And the time to practice it is not when the bang happens. You practice it in your training. You practice it when you're comfortable. You practice it all the time. Like you do for training. You practice, practice, practice. And when it comes to game day, then you're hoping it goes well. Yeah. So that's kind of where I came from. Brilliant. And Ray, if we if we jump forward to the big thing I noticed from the um Ultimate Hell Week program is you're trying to get that out of the out of the contestants, are you? You're trying to find that composure, maybe rattle yeah. them or check if they have it. Yeah, like what people think, oh yeah, you're trying to break them down. Like we're not. What we're trying to do is get the best out of them that they don't even know they have. And like, okay, we get them wet, cold, hungry, tired straight away. Why? Because you want to get into that part I mentioned inside them where they're under pressure, they're on the back foot, they're not thinking straight. And then you can see how they can compose, you know. Um, so that's kind of what we do. We want to get the best out of them, but we do it in a different way than most people would be used to, I guess, you know. So that's kind of where we go with it there. Like some people, and you can you probably see, I don't know if you've seen the show, but some people excel at different things. And, you know, people would expect like maybe one that like someone like Laura, for example, a dancer who wouldn't be known to be tough, but she's harder than boot nails. Like she's tough, you know, because she has the mindset to do that. And, you know, she can be composed when she needs to be. And Ray, is it is it very important to find someone that maybe isn't like an individual? They're a team player. It's not selfish and they're thinking of others. Yeah, like th- that's the ideal scenario, like and the ideal character for special force. But obviously, like any walk of life, there's all different types of personalities. And like, you know, like my experience of special forces and what I thought are the core values. Like if you talk to a friend of mine, he might have different ones, you know. But the, the view is, the main thing is, you know, like that ability to understand that with individuals and use your team for strengths. Like, like there was stuff I was rubbish at and I knew it, but like knowing that and understanding that means when it comes to it, then you go and you're the point man and this thing is coming up. Okay. Get someone else to deal with that. Like it's that humility of understanding. You can't do everything. You can't be good at everything. So understanding what you're not good at now, keep working at it, of course, and try and get better at it. But if you have someone who's brilliant at it and you're trying to make a balls of it, get them in there. Yeah. That's, that's going to, big part for two 
And Ray, we've just touched on the TV show. So if you just talk to us how that came about, a bit different from being in Afghanistan next to yeah, being live. Exactly, yeah. yeah, so like I kind of, a friend of mine um, called John O'Hearn, he's an ex-Range um, Wing officer, gave me a ring one day. I was actually on leave from Afghanistan, would you believe, home for a couple of weeks. And uh, he said, look, this is going on. This TV show, I've been approached by this television company. Would you be interested? I said, no. But thanks for calling. Hung up the phone. <laughs> But I was didn't even give it a second thought. Uh, he rang me again about a week later. He says, "Look, I've I've named some of the other DS who ended up being on it, who are great friends of mine, of course. Like we worked together for years." And he says, "Look, yeah, the lads are saying if you do it, they'll do it." And I'm glad. Don't be giving me that now. Like so, Tony Jigs and Reels and had a chat with the boys. Wasn't my idea, but I said, "Okay, look, we we did a kind of a screen testing with a group, and okay, then went back to Afghanistan." Um, that big blast happened then, then came back when in weeks I was filming the show. So, but I enjoyed it. Like it, you know, it got me to get back into that kind of mindset of being in that DS zone back in the military and training people, which I enjoy doing like anyway. So yeah, so that's how it kind of came about. And I'm glad I did it. And Ray, how have you found things? Like there's obviously book now, the yeah. show's gone into the celebrity aspect. Are you loving every aspect of it? Uh, I don't love every aspect of it. Um, to be honest, for example, like social media and being seen now, like, uh, look, am I famous? No, but like some people know me and I don't mind that. People are very good as well, Tom, and to say, look, congratulations and so on and so forth. But like, if you think about it, I spent all my career under the radar. Like even when I was a bodyguard for some high, some well-known, world-known people, I was still in the background. It was fine. Now, I'm not in the background and I had a very strange experience there doing a live show on Vicar Street where one of the security team came out with me because I'm about to say hello to someone in the front bar and he's and I know him and he's he's a security guy and he said look Ray he said I said look I'm grand I don't need you he says no you do know he said I was going, oh Jesus this is mad like it's a mad transition but look yeah I I, I in, in the main I enjoy it like um will I ever get comfortable with being in the kind of public view probably not but like everything else I mentioned earlier I do my composure, my control stuff. It goes into every aspect of life. Yes. So I, I just get on with it. Like, yeah. And if we, if, Ray, if we just jump, I, I'm conscious of time and I don't want to keep too long. Um, if we talk about core skill, you mentioned earlier um, having your why for goals. I'd love to just, talk, if you could give the listeners some that maybe are trying to do some goal setting now at the start of the year and do yeah. things. Is it important to have your why or what type of training would you do towards Absolutely. your Absolutely. Like your why is like your, your reason why you're doing something. Like if your reason why isn't bigger than all the troubles you'll face, you, you'll fail. So like before you even, you know, make a plan for a goal, you have to work on the why. Why, why am I doing this? And that's what you need to think about first. So like people, for example, are talking about training and diet and, you know, for the month that's in it and the new year and all that kind of stuff. Like, but. You have to get your why right. Then you have to commit to it like your life depends on it. And like there's no other way this is going to happen and that's it. No, it mightn't happen straight away, but it's going to happen. You might fail, you come back. You might fail, you come back. You keep going, you keep going. You only really fail if you quit on anything. So, you know, you buy the new runners the first week of January. The new runners are in the bin by the end of January. Like don't quit, keep going. And like get your goal right, get your reason why you're doing it right. And then you just keep going at it. Yeah, that's it. That's all I do. And Ray, just things that really took me back in the book were just, I suppose, the different career. Talk to me about a little bit about the clothing line and the app and personal yeah, security yeah. and how that came about. Yeah, that kind of look again, like most people, like, you know, when I did leave the look, I'm open to most things. Like, 
would I try something out that I know nothing about? Yeah, absolutely. Like, but you know, the thing about it, like, if you have the reason why right, the what and the how will figure itself out. So get your why right. So even if you mentioned there the clothing line, yeah, like that guy brought the four of us into to, to it. Like, and I was the operations director for Europe. So my job was to set the company up in Europe, which I did. Like, what did I know about setting up a fashion app? Nothing. But I, I learned. I learned about it. So we actually ran the biggest e-com fashion shoot. I mentioned it in the book there. Like, so, but like, but like everything else, like if you have a process, which I did, I put a military template over everything. So I'd prepare for it. I'd see where it could go wrong and I'd fix it, you know, and what we call actions on. Okay, if this goes wrong, I'll do this. If this goes wrong, I'll do that. And I got in people who knew what they were doing, just got on with it. Yeah. That's it. And the same in the bodyguard. It's all the same, same process. Yeah. Um, so just you've mentioned goals, you've mentioned composure, focus. I, I, you're probably in the breeding technique, it's brilliant. But I just before we go into what I call quick fire questions, um, is there any advice you give the listeners on a little to build a little maybe a bit of personal resilience? Yeah, the, the big thing for me for personal resilience is like, you know, there's probably the, the key factor for me is like, you know, when you do make mistakes, like move on, like don't have the mistake. You know, you see people, they'll get something wrong and they'll carry it and carry it and carry it. And that's their goal to taught them when they're thinking about something. So move on from mistakes. Like, like as I said earlier, take the disappointment out of the lesson learned. If you can get those apart, move on. Forgive yourself quickly, move on. And just get on with it. That's my big part of resilience. Brilliant. Um, just if we go into the quick fire, Ray, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Yeah, from my mother um, was do good things even when nobody's looking. And if you have, if you stay somewhere close to that in your life, you won't go far wrong. Because that means then, like, you know, your success rate and your personal satisfaction, which is more important, is more important than success. Like people, you know, gauge people on, you know, their job, their house, how much money they have, how big their car is, blah, 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 all that stuff. Like, But like, yeah, that's all well and good, but it's your own personal satisfaction is much more important. That's the stuff that keeps you warm at night. That's the stuff that like keeps your soul going. So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, what's next, Ray, for yourself? What's future look like for you? Yeah, look, pretty intense, to be honest, Tom, which is good. Like, I like keeping myself on my toes. So, obviously, the training business is flying. Um, looking, really enjoying that. Uh, there's some more stuff at RT, some more Halloween's coming up. Uh, talks of another book. So, yeah, there's plenty going on yeah brilliant brilliant and i suppose i just finished this off last two questions here ray if you could have a meal with any five people dead or alive who would they be yeah i i was thinking about this one and I, like i'm not going to mention Nelson mandela like a lot of people might but for me it's probably simpler than and as people i know personally are never met the first person i like at that table is my grandfather who fought in the great war and i never met him right um the other guy is my other grandfather who fought in the flying column against the British. And I'd like him on the other side of the table just for the crack to see how that goes. Um, and the other kind of two people, including myself, are my parents. And that, it's that simple. They're the four people I like to sit down with and have dinner. Brilliant. That'd be interesting. I'd, I'd love to know what they think you're doing a TV show, Ray. That's what I'd love to your grandfather. Yeah, me too. I know my mother would be delighted with me being on the late, late. She'd yeah. have been a, a, the, a be on end all for her. You know, and you've, you've made it when you got the late, late. Oh, Jesus, yeah. There you go, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, Ray, just um, any book, well, obviously other than your own recommendations that have stuck with you or any book recommendations or podcasts for any of the listeners that have helped you through your life? 
Um, would you believe, Tom, I won't say anything about podcasts because I listened to my first one this year. I'm, I'm not like kind of a technical guy, but, but I'm an avid reader. Um, enjoy any kind of books. I love history books. I, I like um, different type of ones. Do you know what I read this year was uh, Dermot Whelan's book, um, Mindful. And I found it an outstanding spin on humor and like just how to focus and how to be happier in yourself. And it's I definitely recommend that as a read for what we're talking about, you know, and it's a really good way he came across it. Like I really enjoy that book. Um, other than that, that's it. Like the rest of them are just normally the history books. I read a lot about Arctic exploration, you know. Probably not really in vogue for what we're talking about here, but there you go. <laughs> brilliant. Now, brilliant. And Ray, wait, where can people stay connected with yourself or find you? Talk to us a little bit about core training. Yeah. So if you if you want to find me, um, so it's core skill training is is the is my mine. And, and it's the, the website is the same. So you can get on to me through that. You know, if you're interested in me doing training for your team, school, blah, 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 whatever, uh, tr- throw a message onto that on the page and uh, one of us will get back to you and we'll, we'll sort something out. Um yeah, so that's kind of I'm easy enough to find. Brilliant. Listen, Ray, on RT as well. Absolutely. Listen, I first off, I just want to say thanks so much for your time. And I got a huge amount of value of notes here in front of me. So thank you so much. And I wish you all the best in the future, my friend. Tom, pleasure. Absolute pleasure.